Welcome to the special 2018 seasons of the Wealth Standard Podcast, celebrating life, liberty, and property. You are currently listening to Life Season 1. All right, everyone. Welcome to uh, the Wealth Standard Podcast. This is Patrick Donahoe. We are on Episode 2 of the first season, which is entitled Life. You're going to love today's podcast. We have some in- interesting information, and I'm solo today, uh, but I want to remind you that uh, we did change formats in regards to our podcast, so this uh, this season is going to be fully dedicated to the principle of life, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. Uh, this is episode two, so go back and listen to episode one to catch up because it'll give a good context as to what the heck we're talking about this season. Now, what I want to do is uh, I want to give you kind of a little little funny story with uh, with my man Garrett uh, Garrett Gunderson, and uh, he was our guest last uh, uh, last week. And I've known Garrett for such a long time, and it's been uh, really impressive to see what he's done with his business, what he's done with his speaking career, the books that he's written, and uh, it really is an honor to to know him. But it, it kind of goes back to uh, a story. I think it was 2005, and may have been uh, the spring of 2006. Uh, I can't quite remember, but it was uh, it was it was kind of an awkward an awkward meeting, uh, and it was it, what came to mind uh, when I was thinking about that type of interaction uh, was an interaction that I had with the great one uh, Wayne Gretzky at a Hawaii airport uh, a couple years ago, and it was uh, late in the evening. We were taking a red eye to Los Angeles, coming back from uh, a vacation in Hawaii, and I turned you know I'm walking down the the terminal with my with my son. He was I think about a year old at the time, and we turned the corner, and there there he was. It's like right in front of me, Wayne Gretzky, and I was. Like I was star, you know, starstruck. I mean, that actually, that is a a, a psychological uh, event where you know you see someone that uh, you've only seen on the you know on the on the TV screen, and uh, or on the video, and uh, it was uh, it was one of those like you don't know what to say. He's right there, and it's like the awkwardness was already there. So I I think I said something like uh, uh, I'm I'm your biggest I'm your biggest fan. Like, will you sign? Will you sign my? You know, I didn't have anything, but I wanted him to sign something. Uh, but anyway, we got at least got a got a picture uh, with my uh, with my one year old at the time, uh, and it was a very similar interaction with Garrett. And this was uh, this was again 2005, 2006, and uh, it was one of the first events of his. This is where I really became a fan. First events of his uh, that uh, that I attended, and they opened up kind of the crowd to to say something right after the event was over. And I got up and said something really similar. I was like. You guys are amazing, and you know I'm really inspired. And you know, anyway, so it's it was uh, it was an interesting beginning to uh, my relationship with Garrett. But seeing him over the years and the books that he's written, specifically uh, "Killing Sacred Cows," he definitely does uh, exemplify what we are, are what I'm tr- what I'm talking about this season with the the principle of life. So let me get into that just briefly uh, for those of you who are listening that are that are new. So there there's a, there's a, a, a kind of a saying that uh, that inspired me, and it relates to a book that. Uh, uh, that I'll have coming out in this this spring, uh, called "Heads I Win, Tails You Lose," and uh, it, it was a quote by John Locke, who was a uh, an English philosopher, and he he you know among other works uh, which 
he is now renowned for or, or known for. Uh, he had uh, these different treatises, these letters that he was writing to uh, essentially his, um, you know, his audience, which was the population of, of England at the time. And he used uh, a phrase that has uh, become known throughout uh, throughout history, and it's uh, life, liberty, and uh, and property. And it talks about the natural rights of, of human beings. Now, I'm not here to get into anything political or philosophical, uh, but I really look at those three principles and they apply to uh, your wealth and and your achievement in a, uh, a monetary or professional sense. And uh, and it's really, it inspired me to, to use kind of that context when it comes to writing the book as far as what people are trying to achieve. Uh, because I think that that aim is vital and an aim is very you know it's it's ambiguous it's not a like practical strategy uh, but an aim is vital in order to uh, to achieve anything so we're going to talk a lot about that today in uh, in this episode uh, but the life liberty and property life is going to represent you know you as your uh, greatest asset and Garrett and I really had an awesome conversation about that now liberty is uh, the freedom to do something and liberty is what I believe is the achievement of everyone that's that's alive right now is they don't want to be in a position where they have to do something or they're forced to do something. So the idea of liberty is uh, really should be the aim of everyone. I would say in the United States today, the aim is retirement. And retirement is one of those things where uh, it... Uh, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Human beings are meant to produce; they're meant to provide value, and to stop doing that, um, it uh, it's just it's not natural. And so, looking at how to figure out a way to achieve financial freedom uh, and understand that principle of liberty is vital. So that'll be the second uh, the second season, and then finally, the third season is property. And property really is it's kind of the the material world, but I would also say that you know in this day and age, we're very digital. So I'm not sure if you can you know consider digital like a physical property. Uh, but in the end, the material world and using our, our minds and using our talents and abilities uh, will enable us to achieve these uh, these specific goals. So that's a kind of a breakdown of what we're trying to do uh, this year, 2018, into a four-month cycles or four-month segments uh, of each season. So uh, life, it's, it's something that I'm you know, really passionate about the idea behind, uh, you know, why businesses are created, um, how ideas come to be. And I thought nothing better than uh, to uh, to use a book that has really inspired me over uh, over the years. So one other thing I want to I want to mention is that each uh, each month we are going to have a, kind of a, a consistent theme where we're going to have a guest. We're then going to talk about a book then we're going to talk about a practical strategy and then have another guest. It's kind of like a bookend for the month. Uh, so the book for this month is uh, none other. And if you're on video right now, it is uh, The Law of Success in 16 Lessons by uh, Napoleon Hill. Now, most people are familiar with uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, which is really a consolidation of the thoughts inside of The Law of Success. Uh, now, this this book... I would say, you know, it was serendipity to a degree as far as how I came across uh, this book. And I would say the study of it really helped me uh, during some of those those difficult times of 2008 and 2009. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to get into kind of the mastermind principle in, in just a second. Clearly, I'm not going to be able to get into all 16 lessons uh, today, uh, but I am going to get into just some uh, of really what I see as the highlights. And, uh, and this book is one of those... 
it's one of those books that you can't just read. You can't just read once, and you can't just read it. You have to actually uh, study it. Because uh, I, I know a lot of people that have read the books before, uh, but it's one of those things where you know what are the sixteen lessons if you've uh, if you've read it. And same thing with Rich Dad Poor Dad. Rich Dad and Poor Dad, you know, inspired me uh, and inspired a lot of other people. But for those that really you know are are passionate about it, they're the ones that understand what those principles are teaching. Like, what, what are the teachings of of the rich? Like what do the rich do and the specific things that are taught inside that book? And most people don't remember. Uh, that's why studying books, especially the books that uh, that have had a huge impact and influence on others. Okay, it gives you the clue of not just reading it, but also uh, studying it. So this is how I this is how I studied it. So I had a uh, it was one of those uh, meetings or you know establishing of friendships, uh, and it kind of sounds w- weird and awkward, uh, but it was on it was on Facebook. So I have a, a good friend. He actually lives here in Utah now, but a good friend of mine, Trevor, uh, reached out to me back in the day. Um, and was interested in, you know, in doing business with me. Uh, so he's messaged me on, on Facebook and, uh, and we went back and forth and I answered questions. Uh, and then, you know, finally we just, you know, started talking. He became a client, uh, and we established a really good friendship. We have very similar philosophy perspective on things. And, uh, and so he was, uh, in medical school at the time down in Houston. Uh, and, uh, we decided to, to meet up every Friday and for, uh, for a better part of a year, we studied the law of success. And, uh, you know, fast forward for Trevor. I mean, Trevor, uh, he had been married for 10 years and uh, they had issues uh, having children. They now have th- uh, three kids. And uh, he was really trying to find like what he wanted to do uh, as far as his career is concerned because he's very you know motivated and passionate about being an entrepreneur. Um, and he has his MBA. He got his DMD. Uh, and uh, and just kind of how things occur in life as you set goals and you really have uh, a specific focused mindset, um, just m- certain magic tends to happen. And so with Trevor, uh, he now is part of a, a really big dental uh, partnership uh, and is doing uh, and is doing really well. So this book really did you know help me with uh, with mindset specifically. Uh, but I would say you know it's one of those. Heard an example recently of um, your belief system and, and what you what you think about and how your behavior works, uh, and, it, and it was uh, basically that it is similar. Your philosophy in life, your thinking process, it's kind of like a uh, a bucket that has holes, and if you pour water, you pour water in, which I would you know say is is equal to knowledge and insight and education. There are holes there, and I think that's just the human mind in general, where there's so much information in there that it uh, it leaks out over time. And really, what stays is uh, is you know really those those habits or things that are repeated over and over and over and over. And that's why I said before, as far as studying is concerned, okay, because that studying really does sear into I would say your subconscious uh, the way in which you conduct yourself, okay. And I really believe that you know Napoleon Hill intended that. That's why his uh, law of success is is sixteen separate lessons because before he wrote Think and Grow Rich, he he actually did teach in like a class setting uh, each each lesson uh, and and I would say you know because it's in this this you know big volume uh, it's uh, it's important to understand that uh, you know, when you go in and read it, I would say go through it, but then go in and start to study those principles. And I'm gonna t- I'm gonna pull out uh, two principles that I think are the most uh, the most valuable, uh, and it's where you where everybody should uh, should start. And I have some storyline behind that too. All right, so 
you could still get this online. They, I mean, they printed like new new copies. I think this one is is from like the 1980s. It's kind of uh, kind of old. They didn't have it for a while, but obviously Amazon has everything now. Uh, but uh, it is it's it's masterful, and a lot of the stuff that you will read in it has been repeated. You know, in in a lot of other uh, a lot of other books, um, and I would say that you know it, it d- does kind of lend itself to so many people considering whether it's Think and Grow Rich or Napoleon Hill, just uh, hugely influential influential in uh, in their life that there is something there is something in here. Okay, so what I what I would say is the main thing, the main principle that I want to uh, talk about. Is uh, is the idea behind uh, what he calls a definite chief aim? Now, this could be a uh, a personal mission statement, but what it really does is it sets the context of everything that you do, uh, and the aim itself I think is vital, especially in the world that we that we live in, because today it's one of those things where we are we're highly influenced by the world around us, uh, whether it's our vernacular, uh, whether it's uh, what we do as a, a profession, uh, whether it's the TV shows that we watch. Uh, and, uh, you know, social media has just, you know, massively enhanced this, uh, this idea of, of how many people can can influence us. And, and I would say that, you know, when it comes down to, you know, what you want to achieve in life, okay, the idea behind, you know, really having that statement, really having that genuine purpose uh, behind it is, uh, is vital. And, uh, and this is, here's a quote from uh, Napoleon Hill that I'm actually going to read the, uh, the first part of uh, the first part of the definite chief aim uh, section. Uh, but Napoleon, sells, Napoleon Hill says, nothing is more tragic or more common than mental inertia. Uh, for every 10 men who are physically lazy, there are 10,000 with stagnant minds. And stagnant minds are the breeding places of fear. Now, if you rewind a couple of, uh, a couple of episodes of The Well Standard, um, I, I kind of went on this uh, solo thing uh, into the whole you know, pursuit of life, liberty, and, and property, those being human rights. And, and I started to get into you know, the way in which we're conditioned and programmed today. Uh, and uh, and I would say it's it is a as as Napoleon Hill states it it's a tragedy because most individuals you know don't realize that our uh, our school system the public education system of the United States was influenced uh, by uh, by the Prussian system uh, and the objective was to uh, teach people how to uh, follow orders or or follow instructions. Uh, it was very factory style. It was based on training people so that they could work in a factory, uh, and also also military. And then you look at you know Horace Mann and instituting that type of framework in the United States. Today we're all influenced by that because number one most of us went to that type of school system and then most everybody else did as well so the way in which the thinking occurs it just it's a it's kind of in perpetual motion and so the idea behind what napoleon hill is saying is is profound because it's one of those things where because we're taught to take instruction and to follow to-do lists and follow checklists, okay, that the the approach I would say is in a sense anti-human because human beings, what sets us apart from like a chimpanzee or sets us apart from another animal or mammal, is the fact that we can we can think and come up with solutions. But a solution isn't following an order. Okay, there are two different I would say two different uh, two different behaviors. And so the idea behind, you know, following wars, it's, it's ingrained, it's ingrained in us. And I think this is why, you know, we have the, uh, the employment sector that we have right now, 
okay, which is a very uh, dictatorial. But I would say that it's because it's not human, you start to see um, some revolt against it. And I think there's been a lot of social movement inside of uh, employment. Okay, and obviously, specifically with you know some of the uh, you know the more extreme cases over the last a few few months with um, harassment in the workplace. But the you know the idea is that you know everybody has this mentality. In order to break away from it, you have to understand the principle that you know your your thinking patterns uh, is where everything starts. That's where your world. That's where your world is. And the outside world sometimes you know because we're taught to take orders, the outside world can have a profound influence on. Uh, um, you know what we do, how we feel, what we're afraid of, what risks we're uh, we're willing to take, and and in the end, it's one of those yeah, it's just one of those things that uh, that's that's destructive. So the idea behind you know just coming up with your chief aim, coming up with your mission statement, your purpose, it is a very difficult thing to do because if you think about the influence that we've had, we've been told what we should think. We should, we've been told what we should do. Uh, and that carries, you know, into the retirement world and the money world as well. Okay. We have financial celebrities that tell you what to do. Okay. You have books that tell you what to do in the end. You know, I would, wouldn't say that those instructions uh, are not relevant, but they should not be leading you should be leading. And I think individuals, as we have uh, our singular kind of frame of mind when it comes to uh, our lives, it's different and unique to everyone else. It's really coming up with that, uh, that idea, which is what, what, are, what do you want? What are you here for? What are you going to do? And it's you coming up with that, not somebody telling you. Now, as far as you know, the you know the the idea of you as your best asset, Garen and I covered uh, quite a, a bit of it. Okay, doing that requires you know setting goals. It requires you know seeing ways in which you're going to achieve something. But it, I would say, the definite chief aim is the context by which you're doing all of that. So I'm going to go ahead and read in uh, and then th- is this first uh, this first section. I actually don't have it bookmarked. Um, Okay, so this is uh, this is the first uh, this is the first section. The key the keynote of this entire lesson may be found in the word definite. It is most appalling to know that ninety five percent of the people of the world are drifting aimlessly through life without the slightest conception of the work for which they are best fitted, and with no conception whatsoever or even the need of such a thing as a definite objective toward which to strive. There is a psychological as well as economic reason for the selection of a definite chief aim in life. Let us devote our attention to the psychological side of the question first. It is well-established principle of psychology that a person's acts are always in harmony with the dominating thoughts of his or her mind. Any definite chief aim that is deliberately fixed in the mind and held there with the determination to realize it finally saturates the entire subconscious until it automatically influences the physical action of the body toward the attainment of that purpose. And I might read this next section too because I have it. Uh, I have it highlighted. Okay, but uh, the idea there is, you know, really, if you look at the the analogy of having a bucket full of holes, okay, and your the water is essentially the information you're feeding it, the thoughts that you have, you will have different leaks in there. And I would say most people's uh, thinking patterns um, are are the same day in and day out. So how do you how do you change that? All right. So, well, the first thing is. 
you know, I would look at uh, really understanding the purpose by which you are um, at your job, the purpose by which you're investing, the purpose by which you're in school, the purpose by which you're, you know, uh, trying to achieve, uh, you know, retirement or, or whatever. What is what's the purpose behind that? What's uh, what's your what's your why? And really articulating that and putting it in stone, writing it out, and having it in a you know in a location where you're able to see it over and over and over. It'll reaffirm and kind of sear into your subconscious the purpose by which you're doing everything. And then all of your activities, all of your goals, all of your actions will then start to form around that context. Now, it's interesting. So we, we just got done here at, uh, at Paradigm with um, a, couple, a couple of months of preparation in regards to, in regards to goals. Um, and uh, we, you know, have some, we have some cool tools that we created for it. You know, here's one of them if you're on the, on the TV. This is, this is Kenny D's. Kenny, I'm setting Kennedy's goals for him, uh, but this is a 120 day success planner. So uh, this year, you know, we are we're instead of doing a 360 day cycle, we're doing a um, 120 day cycle, and we're setting our goals, uh, doing performance bonuses, and doing all of that uh, in a in a four month cycle as opposed to uh, as opposed to a year. Okay, but this is a it's just a it's just a tool, but it's a tool to to uh, to keep focus, and the focus is around what our objective is, what we're doing, and why we're doing it. Uh, and, uh, and then I would say, you know, in relation to what's going on on a daily basis, it helps keep consistency. It keep, helps keep people on target. Cause I would say today messaging and emails and phone calls, and we have an open office. So it's kind of distraction after distraction, after distraction, you can easily lose focus. Uh, but the point of me bringing up kind of our goal, our goal setting, okay, is, is the experience I had when we were actually going in and flushing out, flushing out goals. Because there are, you know, some of the advisors here uh, are very analytical, and they uh, they love numbers, and they're really good at it. Uh, and that part of the brain kind of, you know, it it bled or eked into uh, the goal setting process. Because uh, I think it was Einstein. I actually have the quote here, uh, but Einstein says we can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. So the idea behind setting something above and beyond the targets that they had set previously and achieved. Okay, it has to be a new mind. And sometimes you're not able to calculate really, you know, what you're what you're going to do or how you're going to do it right now. Uh, and that sometimes is the risk associated with goals or the faith that's uh, that's necessary in order to set a goal and try to work toward it is sometimes you don't even know if you're going to be able to achieve it. But again, going in line with Einstein's quote, okay, the mind of achieving something that's greater than you're at right now is necessary. Uh, because if you had the mind, you You'd have what you're trying to achieve already. So the idea, you know, really was setting goals and really trying to see what individual influence somebody can make on the overall well-being of, uh, of the company. Uh, and it was just a, it was an interesting, interesting experience. But what we got down to is the goal itself, okay, has to have uh, an, another kind of con- contextual meaning to it because, you know, achieving a dollar amount, okay, money is money, and we've talked about this before on the podcast at nauseum, uh, but money is just paper and ink or their numbers on a computer screen. And it really isn't the, the money that people are striving for or the cash flow or the wealth or the financial freedom. Okay. It's really the idea behind that and what that will give them uh, in relation to what they want for their life. And so we had some great conversations around 
Like, why, why do you want that? Like, what life do you want to provide for your children, for your spouse? What, what do you want to, to do? What doesn't exist right now that you want to exist? That right there, I would say, is the goal that has meaning and has some power and energy behind it. Uh, whereas the number side of it, you know, numbers... Uh, in relation to to money, it's just a it's just a tool. So, really looking at some of these principles, I know this for some of you it may be um, it may be repetitive to what you hear on other podcasts or what you read uh, in books, uh, but you're seeing so much repetition for for a reason. And as I've you know kind of prepared for the podcast and got back into uh, the book a little bit and some of my some of my notes, it's profound like the time frame in which all of this took place because no Napoleon Hill, I mean he's not he's not alive anymore. Um, he's uh, long since passed. Uh, but he he was just one of many that really owned these principles and owned this way of looking at things and and just the overall uh, value of thinking. And, and I'll list a few of them. I mean, it, it was, uh, he references Andrew Carnegie, and I know that there is a, a book out there that's a, uh, an interview between Napoleon Hill and Andrew, Andrew Carnegie uh, corroborating all of these ideas. Uh, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, Charles Schwab, uh, John D. Rockefeller, James J. Hill, John Wanamaker. Uh, and then you had other authors. I would say Napoleon Hill was kind of right in the middle. Uh, and he has by far, you know, the, the, the best-selling book, The Think and Grow Rich. But you have um, uh, James Allen, Dale Carnegie. You have Charles Hannell, Earl Nightingale, uh, Wallace Waddles, William Atkinson, Joseph Murphy, Thomas Troward, uh, Prentice Mulford. These are guys that lived at the turn of the century. And I, w- and I would say, as, as I was thinking through this, and I was preparing for today, I was like, if, if I chose to live, the time that I would choose to live is either right now, okay, um, or back kind of at the turn of the century. I think that at the turn of the century, there was so much revolution going on with, with the world. Uh, the world was, now obviously it resulted in world wars and you know other things, uh, but I would say that during that period of time, the Industrial Revolution was taking place. Uh, discovery of all sorts of uh, you know, e- existing uh, pieces of the uh, you know of the universe, uh, whether it's by uh, by Edison uh, or Nikola Tesla. I mean, it was it was amazing some of the discoveries that were that were taking place. And really, you go into the memoirs and the biographies of some of these icons, and they had very similar belief patterns. And as I I look at what's going on in our day and age, I see the same parallel. You have those like uh, you know an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos, and they have they have a focus and they know exactly what they're trying to accomplish. They understand the purpose behind that definite chief uh, chief aim. That is like their their north star, the context to why they're doing what they're doing. Now, one thing that I've done as far as this 120 day success planner is concerned, we try to make it you know for each of our each of our team members. And I got a lot of these ideas from uh, Craig Ballantyne's uh, Perfect Day Formula. Um, and Craig's been on the show a, uh, a couple of times. Uh, but this is, it's very, it's very simple and it keeps very uh, uh, focused on a, daily, on a daily basis. There's time blocks, there's recaps, uh, there's priorities for the next day. It keeps everything in tune. But I got a, a lot of the ideas as far as how we executed it from uh, this journal, which is called the Daily uh, Greatness Journal. Now you hear journaling and it's one of those things where it's like you get a journal and it has just blank pages. What I love about you know, the way in which we've created our success planner uh, as well as our daily greatness journal, is that it's a guided journal. It basically, you know, has an outline of all the different, you know, 
uh, ways that you can set goals and it helps you contextualize those goals. So here, and we did this for, uh, for the company, but it has, you know, a health and, uh, health and body goal, an emotional goal. It has financial goals. It has KPI, key performance indicator goals, but then it goes into, you know, what is the goal? Why do you want it? Uh, who do I need to be to achieve it? Uh, these are, these are aspects of goals sometimes that we can lose, uh, lose sight of in the moment when we're actually setting them. Okay. And, uh, so this one, you know, this is called the daily greatness journal, daily great. And I have, I have no idea. I just, um, got this a few months ago for, for Cynthia and I, uh, but really looking at a goal, looking at a journal specifically, I would say having a tool that keeps you focused, uh, is, uh, is vital because if you are trying to really, uh, create habits of success, create habits of achievement, okay you can't just read something or do something once it has to be over and over and over again and uh you know it was interesting this last uh, last uh, couple of months my my parents who uh, live on the east coast uh were uh, staying with me and you know my they're in their 70s now and it was just interesting. I mean, I only see them a couple times, a couple times per year. Obviously, we, you know, we we talk. They talk more with the grandkids than they do with me. Uh, but I see how their influence, whether it's the words they use or how they say things or their mannerisms or, you know, ways in which they handle a situation. I see, I see that influence on me, and that is again, it's because of the repetition of my experience with my parents growing growing up, and that same element or that same dynamic uh, is part of your, um, you know, is really part of your life as well, whether you want to believe it, uh, believe it or not. All right. So let's kind of do a few more things with uh, this definite chief aim. And then I'm going to get into uh, the the purpose of a, a mastermind, um, which is the second principle that I'll, I'll discuss, I'll discuss today. But here's a few other, few other quotes in relation to definite chief aim as we wrap it up. Uh, this one is from Mark Twain. It says the two most important moments of life, when you were born and when you find out why. This one is from Robert Louis Stevenson. An aim in life is the only fortune worth finding, and it is not to be found in foreign lands, but in the heart itself. And then last one by Napoleon Hill. Until a man selects a definite purpose in life, he dissipates his energies and spreads his thoughts over so many subjects and in so many different directions that they lead not to power, but to indecision and weakness. And I think that is uh, really exemplary of our day and age, right? Where there's so much distraction. There's so many things to do. There's so many ideas out there, but the lack of focus sometimes uh, is, you know, really why none of it ever comes to a a profitable or or a successful conclusion. So the idea behind a definite chief aim is, you know, essentially creating that North star, that beacon for your life. And it's different than mine. Uh, And uh, and I'll give you an example uh, from another kung fu icon can you call bruce lee a kung fu is that like american kung fu Uh, yeah okay american kung fu all right bruce lee here's bruce lee's definite uh definite chief aim says i bruce lee will be the first highest paid oriental superstar in the united states in return i will give the most exciting performances and render the best quality in the capacity of an actor Starting in 1970, I will achieve world fame, and from then on till the end of 1980, I will have in my possession $10 million. I will live the way I please and achieve inner harmony and happiness. And that was written in uh, January 1969. 
Okay, so here are the steps that uh, that Bruce Lee used. Uh, number one, he said he d- defined who are you going to be. He answered that question: Who are you going to be? Uh, the second part is what will you give in return? When will it be accomplished? And finally, why? And he answered all of that in a very concise statement, and it was very specific as well. So that's an example of what a definite chief aim uh, could be. But as I said, you know, pick up the law of success. It's like ten bucks on Amazon, and uh, and maybe get one that's been marked up a little bit. Get a used one. That's why I love buying those type of uh, iconic books that way, uh, where there is some kind of nostalgia to it, and uh, maybe some uh, helpful hints in there. And who knows who had that book before you. All right, so that's a, that's a definite uh, definite chief aim. Let's move on to uh, what I would say has also been one of those other impactful things that I decided to do uh, right during you know the the I would say Gulf of Misery of 2008 and 2009 as I was transitioning from one uh, business uh, partnership into kind of the solo idea with a few uh, few team members, uh, and that is that is the the mastermind group. Now, the mastermind group. It's uh, there's so many different ways uh, to do it, um, but it first occurred with uh, with Trevor and our ability to really see one another's perspectives, which were different. Different. We had a very similar philosophy. Uh, however, the idea of going back and forth and back and forth and what about this and what about this? Okay, it helped kind of create two perspectives, uh, which I would say could be combined into one perspective. Right. So that's the idea of a mastermind: is it creates another mind as part of the group. Uh, there's another cool, really cool book. That I read a few years ago. Uh, that's uh, that's called "Where Good Ideas Come From," and it's a very similar dynamic. And it talks about it more in a business sense, where you do have groups or you do have discussion, and in that discussion, ideas uh, naturally uh, come come about. Whereas if you're doing it in a very singular fashion, then ideas are less likely. And that is again going back to the whole school system idea. I mean, we are we're taught. Uh, we're taught what to do, how to do it. Um, we're never taught why. We're never taught to figure it out. And always, not I wouldn't say always, but for the most part, it's singular. And I verify this. I think I talked about this last time. But I was I was playing basketball uh, recently, and there were two uh, high school seniors, and it, and we were, our team was like you know we do four on four, and so our team was sitting out, and they were talking about an AP class that they were in, and uh, so I inquired. I said, hey, you know what? Um, when was the last time you guys did like a group project where you worked on something and got graded on it? And and they couldn't they couldn't remember and they finally you know came up with uh, something from their junior year uh, and then they started to get into how bad the experience was so the idea of really working in teams and working in groups with a singular purpose um, that isn't ingrained in us and I would say that's one of the main reasons why I despised my uh, my education uh, is because growing up I wasn't a great student just because that, that wasn't the way and you know this is me looking back now it wasn't the way that I learned um, I I learned differently, and I really discovered it uh, when I was in my twenties, kind of going into the second part of uh, second part of my my uh, college education, where I learned really how to find groups, put a group together, uh, and then within that group, learn from one another, ask questions, and have that discussion and dialogue. And I'd often not go to class, but I would attend all the study groups, and I'd still do. I still did really well my second part of uh, second part of college because of that. And uh, so I, I took that into business and I took that into, uh, you know, really how I dug myself out of 2008 and 2009. Uh, and it first began with Trevor and him and I went in and talked about, 
you know, really these principles and what we uh, what we could do to overcome some of the challenges that we we were going through. For Trevor, it was more of you know what he wanted to do uh, as well as his family situation. And for me, it was how am I going to get out of my mess? And what came about from it was really a, a friendship and a bond that has lasted a, a long a long time because uh, we still meet up. Uh, and then, uh, and then it evolved into an, a bigger mastermind group that was created uh, in 2011, I believe, uh, which is with with four more people, um, and that was more of a real estate and investment type of mastermind group where we read and we went through books, uh, but we also did a lot of investment together, uh, and uh, and we did really really well, and we've since uh, we broke that mastermind uh, group up just because of scheduling and also some uh, phys- uh, philosophical conflict, uh, but it's one of those things where you know mastermind. Uh, are a group in which you can really get people together that are on the same wavelength and benefit tremendously because of. Uh, and so for the last couple of years, I've been with um, uh, another mastermind group that travels. Uh, and uh, there's been some really cool ideas and ways in which uh, that has benefited uh, benefited me. But the whole idea of a mastermind group is getting around people that will influence the way that you think. And this is what I would say is, is invaluable because right now, you got to look around. I mean, how how are you? How are your inf- uh, how are you influenced? Okay, what does your your Facebook feed look like? What does your um, you know your 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 email box look like? And uh, it's because it's all it's all influencing you. And I think there's ways in which you can create filters. I did this for for Facebook, which I've mentioned before on the on the show, which is I you know to. I mean, I love hearing about family every once in a while, but I basically put into my Facebook feed those that inspire me, those that are doing amazing things, those that put out inspirational, motivational quotes, uh, and those are the individuals I want to be around. And that helps me uh, to be accountable to my mission, to my definite chief aim, uh, as well as my principles. And uh, and I would say also from a physical environment, uh, you can choose the people that you want to be around. And if they're not a positive influence, uh, that is a decision that you make every time you decide or or decide to or not to uh, be you know, doing things with them. So pay attention to those that are uh, around you. And if there isn't positive influence, go out and find it. Jason Hartman and I did a, uh, a really cool podcast a few months ago in preparation for uh, an event that's just in you know a couple days, which is uh, Meet the Masters, uh, which is his annual event. But we talked about the importance of conferences and events. It's one of the best investments that somebody can make. And I would say, you know, to go to meet the masters is like, okay, you gotta, you gotta buy a plane ticket. You have to, you know, stay in a hotel room. Uh, you have to take time off of work if you're employed. Um, and it could be a very expensive venture, maybe three, four, five, six thousand, thousand dollars. Uh, the real estate guys cruise uh, for the attendees is like, I would say, probably between fifteen and seventeen thousand dollars. But if you look at that and not look at it as uh, an expense, but an investment, okay? It's an investment in being around different people. And those different people have done, ama- potentially have done amazing things, especially someone, you know, a person that could afford that type of uh, time away, eight to nine days, plus the fee that's charged. It's, you're around people that have done amazing things. There have been, uh, you know, guys on the on the cruise that have done these, you know, hu- huge, um, like nuclear facilities, uh, they're guys that have done you know thousands and thousands of units of uh, of development, uh, business owners. I mean, you you name it from all over the world, and uh, it really is. It's inspirational and it's motivational because 
everyone needs it. There's always going to be times in which you're pushing the limits where you're putting yourself out there as far as, uh, you know, exercising some faith and achieving something you don't necessarily know how to do. Okay. But the right people showing up can really fill in those voids, whether it's an idea or whether it's overcoming a challenge. Okay. And that's uh, really the importance of being around events or being in that mastermind mastermind setting. Okay. So I think I covered uh, that all. So let me do, let me do a, uh, a recap. So for this episode, my my intention uh, really was to expand on the the principle of life, uh, which is you are your uh, greatest asset. Okay, most people look at the outside world and they see freedom inside of a piece of property or in a bond or in a stock or in you know Bitcoin. Uh, and I'm not trying to to knock any of those those tools, but it's the outside. It's the outside world. What I've seen in my experience with thousands of people uh, is that the number one asset that they've always attested as to what has created success and freedom is themselves. And that is the books you read, the people you're around, uh, the mindset that you choose to adopt, the principles that you choose to adopt. Uh, and with that, you are basically able to uh, have an, an infinite possibility relative to what you can add to your greatest asset. Uh, money doesn't restrict it especially in this day and age with all the information we have uh, available to us and the technology that exists to connect with people. Okay, so that's uh, that's the idea behind you are your greatest assets, figuring out ways in which you can discover that in order to create financial freedom for yourself. Uh, now, tools are also important in that, but I would say they are secondary. Today, the objective really was to show you that when you assess you as your greatest asset, you have to have a purpose. There has to be a mission. There has to be a compelling reason uh, behind it all. Uh, and that is what you know. Napoleon uh, Hill spent pages doing, uh, and obviously a better part of his life teaching. Uh, and it is uh, the very first, uh, very first principle. Uh, and the book is uh, The Law of Success. It's one of the most influential books that I've uh, studied. I wouldn't say I've read. I've read it a number of times, but I've studied it. And uh, really, it's helped uh, create a, a mindset for me, which I would say I'm you know, probably the best example of a bucket with holes where I have to keep going back and filling it with information more and more and more in that same wavelength because you know, information gets lost. Our subconscious protects us, you know, protects our mind, right? Because of all the information that we are uh, absorbing on a, on a minute by minute basis. Okay. And then the second part of it was the mastermind group. Now you could form your own, you can do virtual ones, especially with this day and age and video conferencing, um, and, you know, Skype, and Google Hangouts. I mean, there's so many different tools that you can do it. Okay. Or going to events, being around those that will inspire you, that will influence you to be better, to do more and to really understand uh, your, your greatest asset. All right. That is, uh, that's all I have for you. And uh, it's been, uh, it's been fun. Uh, hope you guys can uh, glean something from this, uh, this amazing, amazing book. So love success, Napoleon Hill, and then uh, Daily Greatness Journal. We'll put some links on the on the website for that. But what I wanted to do as we as we conclude uh, is I want to offer up a, a special interview that I did with, that fits in line with our theme uh, this uh, this season, uh, which was by a uh, a public speaker. And uh, and it's a pub, more of a public speaker mentor, um, and she does some public speaking. But her name is Julia Wonar, and uh, and I did a really cool interview with her. And so if uh, if you guys will email us at podcast at paradigmlife.net. Uh, and uh, you can also uh, go to our newly designed website, 
thewellstandard.com. And uh, and we'll have some of the links on there as well. But we'll put that interview, uh, kind of a special behind-the-scenes bonus interview with Julia Wonar. Uh, So if you guys would email us, we will uh, give you access, uh, access to that. Okay, so that is uh, that's a wrap. So if you guys wouldn't mind getting onto iTunes and leaving us a positive review, that would be super helpful to help us uh, get this message out to more people. Uh, also, check out the uh, the new website and uh, in the show notes, and we'll put the links to the tools that were mentioned on the show there. And uh, I wish you guys a great success this week, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us as the Wealth Standard Podcast spends all of 2018 celebrating life, liberty, and property. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, and we'll see you on the next one.